Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Took him about an hour to get through the post. He was the anti Wisconsin, Michigan handshake line. And SI's Pat Forty. It is a, a preposterous prospect of like, yeah, all right, you know, this has been a great sport since the 1890s, but now we're going to change the way it ends. And here's Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. We are still sorting out the uh, week ago decision, uh, the formality it be, had become of the so-called alliance our friends at the Alliance, to block the 12-team playoff plan uh, for now. Just to recap, the plan was to reboot the playoff early, take the four and go to 12, and it would probably at this point have started for the 2023 or 2024 season, probably 24. You would have really ended it two years early, maybe they could have got it done three. I don't know if you had heard any sooner, Pat. Like, could, yeah, could they I, gotten I think it would, have been a, it would have been tough to get it done in 2023. Instead, the four-team will go for the next four seasons. Then something needs to be created. This is a contract that ends, and this is a key thing that's going to be going forward. This is not, should we expand the NCAA basketball tournament? Should we expand the baseball tournament? Should we... Uh, whatever you want to come up with. Should we have preseason games or not? Where if you don't make a decision in the the NCAs and all the people in the NCA, because this isn't an NCA decision, but all of college athletics loves kick the can down the road and keep making money, right? They That's do nothing right. for they, they're tremendous at doing nothing because <laughs> doing yeah. pretty well. Nothing tends to work for them, at least in terms of near term profit. Yeah, checks clear. However, on this occasion, something's going to come. So part of what was really odd about this to me is all they did was delay it two years. So blocking the plan, it's not like we're not going to expand the playoff. It's not like we can keep the status quo. It's not anything. It's we blocked what's next coming in two years. And our hope is either the SEC agrees to a four-team playoff, or we can come up with something more favorable. I wrote a column this week saying there's two reasons you walk away from a negotiation. Let's say you're trying to buy a house or trying to get into a business or something. Let's, let's just go with a house. Pretty simple. So you the, the, the negotiations, house is going to be, let's just 
pick a number, half a million dollars is the house. And you go, it's too much for me. I don't need that house. I'm walking away. I'll get another house. I'll stay in my house. Or you think, you know what? I'm going to turn that deal down. And they're going to come back to me and say, we'll sell you the house for $400,000. And you say, all right, I got better terms on this, right? Yeah. So these guys are basically, they have to be in the playoff. Like there's, there has to be a playoff. If I mean, the only thing, I mean, the Pac-12 and Big Ten, I guess, could conceivably go back to like just playing in the Rose Bowl as their champs, but that would decimate recruiting. Yeah, no. It would, I mean, I mean you, it's just, it's not, not a thing. You would, you would be assigning yourself to complete irrelevance. You're going to kill your program. You're going to kill your revenue, all sorts of stuff. I'm not even sure your con- television contracts would remain because people would start, I mean, if you're, whoever has a deal with you and you, you all of a sudden basically drop out of the national, you say, we're not going to be a national relevant program. I think that might be cause for litigation. So they have to be in this plan. They have to find a plan. So they delayed things two years. And, and we mentioned the last, can they get a better deal? Basically, this is the SEC versus the Alliance. And the SEC has its own little alliance. It has a big 12 that is right at the hip because they help work on this 12-team playoff. And they have Notre Dame, which also worked on the playoff. And they have the Mountain West and the group of five, which also worked on the playoff. So you have eight entities and you have three. So, But mainly this is the SEC with Notre Dame and, and Big 12 drafting against the Alliance. So these the Alliance think they can get the SEC to give them a more favorable deal. And what the hell is that more favorable deal? I don't know. Not This is not a home transaction. What we have heard is the Pac-12 wants more clarity on revenue. They want to protect the time slot for the Rose Bowl exclusivity. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten wants five automatic bids for the five major conferences spelled out, not just top six conferences. Now, the people that design the playoff will say, that's just asking for a lawsuit someday. Just make it six. We're now free of, hey, we didn't say there's a power five and a group of five. We didn't need right. to codify that thing. So the ACC just wants to take its time. Let's see how NIL plays out. Let's see how health and safety plays out. Let's see how transfer portal plays out. That is an admirable and understandable idea, but that just isn't that the timing isn't really working on that right now, right? Right. Um, so it's like you got to buy the house now. You can't sit around and say, I heard interest rates might drop next month. Guy selling the house wants to sell the house. So that that's what we've heard. Now, is there other is there other stuff? So we're all a little confused on it. Can they get a better deal? Uh interesting column in the Los Angeles Times by our friend uh, Brady McCullough, who does a tremendous job covering college football for the Times, covers it all over the country for the Times. Currently get a $1 for six-month subscription to the LA Times. <laughs> I recommend go. it just for Brady. There you go. You know what? He's and all the it. other good coverage. And He's, other good coverage yep. out there. Um, but he has a column basically saying, this is the headline, Pac-12 took heat for delaying playoff expansion, but SEC came out the biggest loser. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with this, but uh, Brady is good, good well, reporter. Yeah, it's a pr- provocative counterpoint to, I think, what is what has been the uh, accepted wisdom of, of this whole thing, is that there's no way the SEC is losing in this or any other scenario. So what is Brady getting at? Tell us. Dave. What is Brady getting at? I think this is interesting. 
uh, the, the, he had one very salient point, and that is George Klyakov, the Pac-12 commissioner, knew that it has to be unanimous to blow this thing up and and reboot. So if it wasn't going to be eleven and zero, just stick with the alliance. And the yeah. ACC was a no. Mm-hmm. So the ACC had gone out and get, Jim Phillips and the ACC came out and said we're voting no. So at that point, you know this isn't going to go anywhere anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, so stick with your Uh, alliance that you helped create. Stick with the alliance for now. And I think it's for now, but we'll see. So his deal is this. Agreeing to it today, given how the process played out the last six months, would have only increased the SEC's position of dominance over the rest of the Power Five, even the cash-flush Big Ten. Uh, He goes on to, to basically say the basics of the proposal were released in June almost triumphantly before the three first-year Power Five commissioners, Klyakov, Big Ten's Kevin Warren, and ACC's Jim Phillips, had even gotten a chance to check the work. Then in July, news leaked that Texas and Oklahoma were working to leave the Big 12 for the SEC, creating the first 16-team, quote-unquote, super conference. From the moment that happened, I believe that the Longhorns and Sooners had been convinced by Sankey, SEC Commissioner uh, Greg Sankey, that a 12-team playoff was coming, opening up the potential that nearly half the field could come from a stacked SEC. Sure, UT and OU would want the windfall of revenue from SEC's annual distribution, but Oklahoma in particular wouldn't leave its cushy path to a four-team playoff in the Big 12 to battle Alabama, Louisiana State, Georgia, Florida, and so on, for a maximum of two spots the SEC could claim each year, and that that would be in the four-team playoff. You're not going to get more than two really in. The rest of the country should be thanking Texas A&M, who tipped off the Houston Chronicle, to the backroom maneuvering, right? Imagine if Texas and Oklahoma's intentions stayed quiet and the commissioners signed off on the Big 12 first. Instead, Sankey's power play was out in the open. Now, this point is where it gets interesting. Klyakov's conversation with his presidents and chancellors are going much better, or you can bet, he says, than Sankey's, particularly Norman and Austin. The Sooners and Longhorns could be staring at an even more perilous climb to the national championship game, which makes me curious how Sankey's posturing that the SEC would be fine staying at four teams for college football is going over. I can't see how leaders at LSU, Georgia, Florida would be happy about sharing minimal access with Oklahoma and Texas, and we know how Texas A&M feels. The stakes for the expansion decision were much higher for Sankey's league. He will continue to say otherwise, and when negotiations begin anew for the next college football contract, he is likely to use the immense leverage the SEC is so self-sufficient it could start its own postseason. Would that be an empty threat? Probably. Sankey's constituents are deeply driven by a desire for regional superiority. College football can't, quote, just mean more in the SEC if the conference can't prove it at the end. There will be an expanded bracket in 2026. Now there's a chance Pac-12 teams will enjoy a more even playing field. That's the column. Yeah. So thoughts on that 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 theory. Yeah. The I, there, there's some merit, and then there's some parts that right. disagree. Yeah, there's some. Yes, there is uh, some some interesting parts of the premise. Uh, one that this does basically it it does make Klyakov look good to his constituency, but it also buys the Pac-12 more time to ramp themselves up to where they can compete. Um, you know, if, if they're changing this thing in 2024, okay, you can get a team in and they're going to lose by a thousand points in the first round. And that's that, uh, by 2026, you're thinking, okay, we should have schools in better position to compete 
with everyone, starting with USC and probably Oregon, and we'll see who else comes along. But the other side of it, it is, it's it, an interesting premise that Sankey, basically the part of the the deal with Texas and Oklahoma was like, yeah, don't worry. When, when you get here, everything's going to be fine. We're going to have a 12-team playoff. And now that is not the case. I, it's still, you know, it will be the case soon enough, I believe, right? I mean, unless right. they're, they're, they're not going back, uh, to, they, I, this whole thing is not going to stay at four no matter what people are saying. So I, that that situation I don't think is going to be a real, like, problem. But you do wonder, obviously, if, you know, yeah, if, if you're going to get those schools out of the Big 12, you had to give them something other than more revenue. You can't just say, here's more money, but you're not going to be able to compete. And you're... Here's the offers, you know, yes, we're, 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 uh, by the way, we're going to expand the playoff. And that does also hit at one of the, you know, real sticking point with a lot of people in this, certainly in the Alliance group, is that Greg Sankey was operating in the dark on purpose and leaving people uh, very much uh, out of the out of the, the whole picture of where things were going. Yeah, I think there's a there's an understandable concern or suspicion that Sankey was working both sides of the, the street here that yep. he was plotting uh, an expansion of the SEC while also writing up the future of rules. And so naturally, uh, again, like if you're buying the house and the guy you're buying the house against was also um, negotiating for a waste treatment plant to get built in the backyard. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly. And you go, whoa, wait, whoa, or anything in the backyard and your property mm -hmm. value might drop or you would be like, hold on, I want to take a second. Get, get, I get that. So that part is pretty interesting. Um, the thought I hadn't considered, because I just, I don't believe four is ever going to be on the table. But Sankey does keep saying, hey, we're fine with four. We're fine with four. Right. I think Brady makes an excellent point that, hell no, they're not going to be fine with four. No. Because no. they got too many teams trying to get in, and you may only get one. Exactly. I mean, when he says the SEC is big, this playoff has worked just fine for them, he's talking about the one or two that win the title. Right. You know, what you want is a playoff where you've got four guys, four teams in their plan, six teams competing for it down to the wire. You know, then you have a full conference of more happy, involved, interested stakeholders as opposed to everybody watching Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, it has not worked for A&M yet. They've nope. been close, but haven't gotten in. And they really they've only gotten two teams in twice. Right. It's not like so, it's every year. No, they've had it twice. Now, both times they reached the title game and all that. Maybe they should get in more. But they only got two in twice. So in eight years, they have 10 bids, which is, uh, you know, they're the only one with every, every, it's worked better for them than everybody else. But as no, if, if, unless Notre Dame takes a step back and, and we'll, we'll see what Marcus Freeman can do. He's recruiting at a level that does not suggest that. But if, as long as they don't take a step back, that is a, a, ter a very difficult wild card for, for how you plot this out. I don't think they ever, I think when they started the 12 team, they didn't have a lot of faith in Notre Dame being around very much as a, as a potential spoiler, but Notre Dame almost made it for the third time last year. Right. Uh, they were very, very close to making it for a third time. So Notre Dame is there and that just gobbles up a spot. And now you just got one less and uh, you know, look, nobody made it last year. You know, uh, when you have two and then you have an ACC, AAC team, I mean, you know, it just becomes problematic. But the Pac-12 does buy, I guess, two years to get themselves on better footing. And by better footing, they mean mainly USC. Right. 
USC and Oregon are the only two that you look at right now and say those two can strike and make a playoff in the next because they're going to start the renegotiations like two years from now, right? If that, like, yeah, might be twenty twenty five is not that uh, just not that far away. They're offering scholarships to kids in the class of like twenty twenty six and seven right now. So, like twenty twenty five is just not that then that's the last thing 2026 i guess would be the first uh new season but uh it's just not that far away so i don't know that the pac 12 can have a little bit juice but i just still don't know how the 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 threat of of the sec going it alone i guess this is the other point right that i thought was pretty salient was the sec wants to prove by annihilating everyone else that they're the best right and not having that and going it alone or going it on a on a having two <laughs> two playoffs, that threat of saying, well, well, take Notre Dame. I think I came up with one the other day. There'll be a million. Yeah, we talked about it on the last pod. We? Take your eight, eight of your 16 teams, put them in mm-hmm. a postseason, two rounds, then a then an SEC championship game. You'd have seven playoff games right there. Yep. Then you have. Notre Dame, the top two teams of Notre Dame, the group of five and the big 12, mm-hmm. whoever you pick, have them play a, a game. That's game eight. And then have the winner of that play the SEC champ. And that's number nine. You'd have nine games. Those games might be worth $100 million games or more. Could be a billion dollars right there. Not only do you get the billion, but you you cut off the other, uh, not only the SEC get the vast majority of that money, yeah, but mm-hmm. they'd share a little scraps with uh, Notre Dame and the others. But the Big Ten, Pac-12, and, and ACC, particularly Pac-12 and ACC, would be starved out on drafting. Right. On, right so, yeah, yeah. I, do you think that they would really do that? I know that's going to be the threat. Well, we'll do something on our own. Yeah, that is the threat. I, but no, I, and I think that was a good point Brady made. Is that you, part of the SEC's pride? Um, a lot of it comes from their best teams then going out and beating everybody else's best teams. Uh, and that, if you really go down to it, goes back like a century to when Alabama went to the Rose Bowl in the 1920s and won. And it was this extraordinary moment of pride in the South and in the state of Alabama. And it's gone on since then. And so, yeah, I mean, there is there is a, a certain degree of myopia within the South and within the SEC of like, we're all that matters. But what they he's right that I think what they really do like is then going – and taking that show out and beating the best of the Big Ten and beating Clemson, except for when Clemson beats them, and beating the Pac-12 and beating the Big 12. Uh, and you would lose that. Uh, and I, I – boy, the, I mean, the sport would lose massively. But if, 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 if as we've seen, if this is just a every conference for themselves, I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC postures for it, but it doesn't really fit, I think, the ethos of part of what drives the SEC. So when they go back to the table, does the like what is the SEC? Does the SEC really lay the same deal down? This this deal, and I know there's all these suspicions. You get these fans. I mean, you get all sorts of crazy opinions. But this was a pretty fair deal. Yeah, yeah. Was. The SEC was going to get a lot of teams in because they have a lot of good teams. But you can't deny that and just say, well, only conference champs only and stuff like that. Like that's just not. You have to work with the SEC also. Yeah. Um, but as we had stated, the Big Ten gets the most teams in, at least historically. They get tons of great home games. 
It props up a lot of the different things. And I mean, look, they've won uh, five of the eight playoffs. They won seven of the eight BCS before that. Playoffs have been better to everyone else than the than the uh, than the BCS. Although it's really just Clemson stepped up. I mean, Ohio State, but it gave Ohio State a chance to win. Yeah. And gave them a chance to get in it on many yeah. occasions, you know. But. Yeah, and have that, and they would continue to have that. They would yes. Ohio State would be very hard to ever keep out. See, one of the beauties of the twelve-team playoff, as it was devised, it was good for everyone. Really, I mean, if it's, again, if you're sitting there in those among those alliance conferences, you're like Pac-12. Okay, shoot, we finally got a chance. ACC, hey, we've got a chance with Clemson and maybe another team. Big Ten, hey, we can get three teams in there. Notre Dame, hey, we've got a spot. Group of five, somebody's getting in. Oh, you know, it's just, but it was also good for the SEC. So do they I, come back with something that's better for the SEC? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. What would it be? I don't know. And, and uh, that, that, what do you come back that's better for everybody, but gets you get more than the than what was offered? That, that's my problem with this. And, and publicly and privately, no one, I, I can't, if you want to reach out to me and explain some secret reason, like, what is the, you know, all we hear about is, well, I want five and not six. Like, who cares? That's right. not a, that. No, that is majoring in minors there. That's yeah, why, again, like, I don't right. understand, like, the Big Ten especially so holding things up on account of that. I just, and, first and of the all, Pac-12 you're talking about TV time slot? Right. No, you're, you're, you are muddying the issue to an unnecessary degree there. And if you're the Big Ten, you're, you're, that's your, coming at this from a spot from a stance of weakness which doesn't make sense it's not a weak conference and it's like oh we got to make sure that the power five all gets a spot in there the big Ten's always going to have a spot in there i mean unless there's a complete collapse and five teams are on postseason probation or something it just doesn't make any sense the the big 10 it's part of this alliance is i mean this is a tr- this is a pyramid i mean like yeah the big 10 is way more powerful than the acc and the pac-12 in football they're going to have way more money going forward. They have more good programs. They have more fans. N- almost nowhere in the Big Ten does football not matter. Football right. really doesn't matter at multiple places in the Pac-12 and the and the ACC. So you know whatever your what's your weakest Maryland or Rutgers, I still think they care more about football there than they do at Syracuse and BC. Yeah, or it- or Cal. Cal, or, Cal or Oregon I mean, they care State, at Washington or State, yeah. but they just have no. I mean, they're just kind of stuck. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I don't know. But it was a thought for thought provoking counter opinion. It was. It was good. It was a good discussion, and uh, it does. I, you know, I, I do feel like it gives us a little bit of a window into what George Klyakov's thinking may be on this. And, yeah. Uh, and since we we haven't gotten fully clear windows from many people other than Jim Phillips, at least from the Alliance standpoint. Yeah, nobody's giving a good reasons, and that's part. And in that vacuum, you go, well, then you don't have one, right? And uh, and so, and we can't we can't contemplate what it is. And again, like I, I just feel like we could solve this time slot thing with the the Pac twelve. I I think the Rose Bowl is freaking awesome, and I would be happy to. I mean, when we originally proposed our playoff and death to the BCS, we gave the Rose Bowl the title game every year. Yeah. Right, we just made it like Omaha and for baseball or whatever, and sure. just said, "Hey, it's the best bowl," and uh, have it. But you could easily, if if the Rose Bowl would move its time slot from five Eastern to four Eastern, which I know moves the top, the the that would move <laughs> the sunset. The, Dan, we can't the have sunset. it during halftime. 
we have to have at the end of halftime. Instead, yeah. it would sunset at the fourth quarter. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think that is a small concession. <laughs> But if you move it to four, <laughs> you, you could have that as a quarterfinal or semifinal, whatever we come up with, mm-hmm. and then still keep it in the rotation to double host to get the title game. I don't care. Rose Bowl's great. I These agree. other bowls are not as good. I'm sorry. Chick-fil-A Bowl is not the Rose Bowl. No. The Cotton Bowl, which isn't played in the Cotton Bowl, is not the Rose Bowl. <laughs> but it does have a nice Walmart. Nobody cares in Glendale about yeah. college football. Miami's no. my, yeah, it's true. But like, this is the bowl. Yeah. That could be solved. Like, that's not the hill to die on. And I don't, but I also think with this is that is not the hill the Pac 12 will die on. They're going to go with something. And I, if I'm Sankey and I think I can pick somebody off here and add leverage to my deal, I pick the Pac 12 and say, all right, now my little, I'll do my own SEC title tournament and then there'll be an other tournament. Yeah. And I offer the Pac 12. Notre Dame, Big Ten, and the group of five, and say, you guys come up with the top four of your little group. Big 12. Or your top two. Yeah. Top two. Yeah. Big 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big 12, Pac 12. I yep. mean, it's too many numbers. <laughs> group of five and Notre Dame. You pick your top two out of those four, and we'll play the winner, and we're going to own everything, and we'll pay you out, and you guys have access to a potential semifinal and title game. Like, all of a sudden, the Pac 12's shot at a four team playoff is really quick, and you don't yeah. have to play too many games. Right. No, I mean... I'm Klyakov? Uh, right. Now, I'd rather do this 12. I think... I, I just... I'm wor- I'm a little worried because we're counting on the SEC saying, going back to the table and saying, we want what's best for all of college football, and this is what we think. Does everybody get exactly what they want? No. But I... You and I have said this many times. We love the entirety of the sport the enormity of the sport. I want Washington state to matter. I want to watch those games late at night. I want Maction. Mm -hmm. I want Boise state. I want that Baylor can rise their program from nothing to good. I want all of this. I don't just want to watch Georgia play Alabama. I want to watch Georgia play Alabama. I want to see Ohio state play Alabama, but not to the exclusion of everyone else. Yeah. Right. I want the, I want to know that the Iowa Nebraska game matters or the Cyhawk and, and people are, angry and over uh, that's what makes the sport so uh, it's it's perilous because you're counting on the sec to say this is what we want to do and not or they could also sit there and say we're adding eight teams and screw it right right no i mean that, well this goes back to your original premise at the start of the pod of like when you walk away from the from the from a negotiation why when, when then what do you what's your mindset coming back and so you are opening up the possibility that the SEC comes back and says, "No, we need to do. We need a different deal. We we had this deal here, and now no, we're, we want something more. We want something better. I mean, that is. I, I don't think it's out of the out of the question. And again, this goes back to the basic premise that these guys don't trust each other. Yeah, and and you get to yeah, someone can offer uh, five hundred fifty thousand all cash uh, and steal your house. Yeah, and yeah, you're stuck in your little apartment. All right." Other issues going on. MB, did you watch the NBA All-Star game on Sunday night? I did not. Okay. It was I'm, a great All-Star game. Was it? And I say, I say that with all yeah. due mocking that would come with it. Oh, well, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a great All-Star game. Well, it was the NBA's all 75 anniversary, oh, right. top yeah. 75. Yeah. So the halftime alone was phenomenal because yeah. they brought out almost all the guys. Uh, some were, uh, obviously, some were deceased. Some couldn't make it. Some just... 
this whatever didn't make it. But I mean, you've got, I mean, they're bringing them all out and the players in the game just to, just to see them all, right? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, that's, Michael Jordan, there's cool. Magic Johnson, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, just Oscar Robert, just everybody, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. And you remember these guys and, you know, Rodman and, 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 uh, and Jordan hug. And like, there's just, there's just stuff going on. It's just yeah. great. There's trash talking. Kevin Garnett refused to cheer for Ray Allen. Like that bitterness <laughs> is still going. Just true. I mean, it's an all star game, right? Yeah. Not, Okay, well, then they play the game. Steph Curry goes crazy, scores like 50 points, uh, keeps hitting uh, three-pointers. You can read about where he got a shot, an epic athlete, Stephen Curry. Um, ah, I signed him. There we go. I don't have, I don't have Pete around to make fun of my book plugs. <laughs> no, I'll um, do it for Pete. They, <laughs> they get to the end, and the NBA, rather than a scored fourth quarter, they have this whole – I mean, they don't really care who wins, right? So they have this elaborate – you win each quarter wins, you win money for a charity – um, which I thought could be more money. It was kind of weird. It was only like, it was less than a million bucks for for the charities. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's like 30 billionaires. And, <laughs> so there's so much money in that building. Like all you guys come up with like 300 grand for like, you know, Cleveland yeah. food bank. Like really? Uh, <laughs> all right. On a side note, but they use at the end, the Elam ending. Uh, They just call it the target score. And if you don't know the Elam ending, Nick Elam is a professor at Ball State who had a huge basketball fan, and he hated the way basketball games end with a foul fest and timeouts, and it's very unsatisfying. The game grinds to a halt. It's not. It becomes situational basketball where it's about free throw shooting, not the game of basketball. And it's largely boring and it just draws on, right? And I think we've all, we all would agree with some of that. Uh, even if you like it, it's the game changes in the last two minutes, particularly in college basketball where guys can't hit free throws. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, and the NCAA yeah. basketball tournament just takes freaking forever because they just well, about. Yeah. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he uh, came up with an idea that they finally got into play in 2017. It's called the Elam ending. Basically, with under four minutes left in a game, when the ball stops, the Elam ending, when the like, ball goes out of bounds, the Elam ending begins, and they basically add seven points, eight, ten. They, they tinker with different things. The, whatever team is leading needs to score like seven more points or more. And once they score the seven or more points, the game is over. Or so they add the target. So let's say you're winning 90 to 85. Um, or let's just make it round number 100 to uh, 95. The the target score becomes 107. Yeah. First so team to 107 wins. First team to 107 wins. Basically like the old one on one game yeah. or or sure. two on two in the in the driveway, right? Play yeah. to eleven, win by mm-hmm. two. So that way every there's no fouling, there's none of all this stuff. And the game always ends on either a game-winning shot or a free throw. Uh, they've used it in the basketball tournament, which I don't. Sometimes it's in the summer. I don't know how many people watch, but it's worth like a couple million bucks. It's pretty fun, fun little thing they do in the summer, and it's been fun. They used it in the All Star game. LeBron James hits a shot to to hit the the target score, and they win the game. So the game, an All Star game, ends on a on a quote unquote buzzer beat, a walk off. Right? It was fun. So. You know, it sets this whole thing. Should the Elam ending be used in basketball? Like, is this better? It's just straight up better than what we have. And I, the idea of changing the way a 100-year-old-plus sport ends seems just, just totally ridiculous, right? You can't change. <laughs> yeah. 
you can tinker with rules, but like this would be the most dramatic rule change in in an over century. You know, when we started with the peach basket and all that. Have you seen any of the Elam endings? Do you, what do you know about it? I mean, I can yeah. go on about it, but your thoughts on the Elam ending and and could it be used in actual basketball? Yeah, I like the idea. I really do, and I think there should be more at least you know, trial with it and see how it goes, whether it's the NIT, you know, or something like that, and just see if it it does produce cleaner, more exciting endings. Because you're right that, I mean, the NCAA tournament is rife with games that are great games for 38 minutes and then just drag to a halt with fouls, free throws, replay reviews, uh, stoppage, 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 timeout, timeout, timeout. And it just, it, 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 it ruins what's been a, you know, a great riveting product. Uh, and I would love to see, uh, at least experimenting with something that I think could at least produce an ending that keeps a good game, a good game all the way to the end, you know, as opposed to having it just devolve into, you know, a, a slog to the finish. And I can, I could go on a number of tangents here, but I don't know whether it, I don't know whether it would reduce the the influence or the burden on officials in officiating. It probably wouldn't. It would probably still be the same number of issues there. But I, anything that has fewer replay reviews and sitting there and you know agonizing over who the ball went out of bounds off of that's one thing. Like it's we're going to get to the NCAA tournament, and again, <laughs> it's just going to drive me crazy. It's like make a call who it went off of and stick with it, as opposed to having us watch thirteen different replays so anyway uh, long story short yes i am in favor of at least tinkering with it it is it is a a preposterous prospect of like yeah all right you know this has been a great sport (laughs) since the 1890s but now we're going to change the way it ends i mean that's that's pretty bold but the given the given what we go through at the end of these games i'm not i'm not opposed to at least looking at it yeah like it does like it's just too big right it's like too big of a thing I think there needs to be a lot of experimentation with it. NIT has been used in many, many ways mm-hmm. for the good of basketball. <laughs> the yeah, NIT is like right. the, it's, the guinea it's pig. The basketball of, <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> the NBA has, has tinkered with this idea of a in-season like tournament. Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, talks about like how European soccer they they're competing for like all these different trophies all the time. Why do we just do one? Right. So yeah. let's create. So they're talking about an in some kind of in-season thing. Uh, and it could maybe be used there or preseason games. I don't know. But it, it, there are there are there are glaring issues. Right. I talked to Matt Norlander about this because he's very uh, from CBS Sports dot com does a great job. He and Gary Parish have a great pod and all that. But um, I, I said, well, what are the what are the concerns about this? And he, he says it points out that when you get down to where they're going to set the target score, people will just start fouling then. Well, that's it just moves it back. Right. Yeah. And so that could certainly be a problem. We've seen really good gimmicks and then they they figure out new ways to do it. Baseball yeah. has that issue. Right? right. Where it's like all of a sudden they're not really playing baseball because yeah. the analytics taken over. Uh, hockey has a regular season over time that goes three on three. And there's been a lot of as they figured out how to try to game it. There's been developments that have changed it, not necessarily for the worst, but it's it's not how it was originally thought would get done. So there's a lot of things like something like that would just muck up the middle of the game now, but it is dissatisfying to sit there and watch you play a game of basketball. And then it, it comes down to the other team was able to foul your clumsy big man and he's got to go to the free throw line 
and hit two shots. And if he doesn't, the whole season collapses. And it's like, this really wasn't, yeah. but maybe that is basketball. I don't well, know. Right. Hey, you know who you, who changed the game that way? Literally, it was Jimmy V, Jimmy Valvano. That's North Carolina State won its 1983 national title by fouling people who couldn't make free throws and winning games where they were behind. And that's really when things changed and this became a strategy. And it should you can look at it and say, well, it's on the coaches to get people who can make free throws on the floor. But still, it's just it's an unsatisfying way to see games end like that, where it's just this constant hack, stop, walk, you know, sub, sub, timeout, you know, too many replay timeouts. review. You know. Too many timeouts in college yeah. basketball and and the NBA. Yeah. Way too many timeouts. But and and it, it becomes you know, and look at uh Wednesday night, we're taping this Thursday morning. Wednesday night, two uh, a lot of good games on college basketball. The big one was a triple overtime Providence and Xavier. Yeah. That was a tremendous game to watch. You would never have overtime again. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, you would never have overtime again. And now those games are extremely rare. Providence won 99-92, but the game was back and forth for for the last, oh gosh, I don't know, seven, eight minutes at least of, of the second half and the first two overtimes. Paul Scruggs of, of Xavier hit a buzzer beater to tie it after two overtimes, and then they still lost, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Providence gets the win. Uh, Jared Bynum at 27 points. He's, he's not even a starter. He might need to become one. Let's go, Ed Cooley. <laughs> no, uh, Providence well, Pro- might win. Providence has played three of their last four games have been overtime. They yeah, are... they're winning every game. They're about to win the the big, the big, te- uh, the big East for the first time ever. They've been a yeah. charter member of the league and a lot of really good teams. So you get these great games like that. Duke beat Virginia, and that one ended because A.J. Griffin hit two free throws to ice it, make it a four-point game uh, with, like, three seconds or whatever. It ended, It gave Virginia no time to – they weren't going to make up four points. So, But in college basketball where the free throw shooting is usually so bad – remember Connecticut won it that one year because they, they wouldn't miss. Yeah. They had uh, Napier and, and – uh, uh, Yeah, Boatwright. Yep. Boatwright. No, nah, it wasn't Boatwright. It was another guard. Was it it was Boatwright? Ryan Boatwright, yeah. Yeah, those two would never miss. Is yep. that it? Yep. Yeah, they'd never miss at the line. And they just get a four-point lead and they'd win every yeah. time. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't do it. Right. No, they, they yeah, they 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 were the the ultimate finishing team, you know. They yeah. Could... Did it all the way to the title. So I don't know. It's, I, I'm I'm intrigued by this. I'd like to see it used more. I'd love to see it when real coaches have time to design how are we going to deal with the Elam ending. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the, the basketball tournament is like, I don't think there is a coach. It's, like, it's basically like <laughs> yeah, it's three on three, isn't it? It's like three on three. I, I don't know. but yeah, It's, it's pretty like, fun. It's something to yeah, watch in August. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah. like, they don't care in the all-star no. game. I don't, I don't even know who no. was coaching, but yeah. they weren't drawing up a strategy to win the target score. Right. It was just like, give it to LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to see LeBron shoot it. Let him shoot it. That was it. No, right? you're, I mean, your point is right, though, that the, the it would be interesting. Yes, what is the counter to this, and how do it's? We've seen in college sports every time there is a rule made, whether it's how the game is played or how recruiting is done or how to cheat, you know, or how not to cheat. That everybody finds a way around it eventually. You know, there is always a new way to do something. So it would it would be kind of fun to see what uh, what teams came up with and schools and coaches came up with. The other thing, obviously, you would lack from the Elam ending. You wouldn't. You wouldn't lack, you know, the dramatic finishes, but you would lack the tension of the clock, which is part of, you know, 
I mean, the lore of the of the sport and, you know, what kids do in the driveway. Three, two, one, shoot it, you know, like like you're um, have to hit it. Yeah. Right. Like a Christian Leitner, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or Keith Smart or whoever making the last second jumper. And you 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 lose at least that part of it. I mean, you don't necessarily, again, lose game winning shots. As a matter of fact, you're assured of game winning shots, but but it's not necessarily that tension of clock versus competition. Right. And clearly, like if you're up 40 points with when the yeah. Elam ending kicks in, I mean, you're going to get your seven real quick. Yeah. Like the other team's not going to outscore you 47 to six. <laughs> right. If they do, phenomenal, but they're, they're unlikely. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch now, that. The one thing it also does when you have the Elam ending is it takes away. So like if if I've got 70 points with four minutes to go and the other team has whatever, let's say I'm winning by 40 points, I shouldn't have the score. Yeah. Just play D. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it makes you score. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, is that good or bad? Is that devalue defense? I don't know. No. It's, it, this is one of the most fascinating things this guy came up with because it's like it's really hard to come up with a really good idea that's this dramatic. This isn't like yeah. should we like the NBA like, all right, uh, timeout. If you take a timeout after a shot, you can advance the ball to half court. Now that's a little bit controversial. It doesn't like that kind of cheats the game. Yeah. But it makes the game better because there's more buzzer beaters, right? But it's a small thing. Right. Yeah. So that's not like, yeah. Should we widen the lane in college basketball? Right. That's right. True. They're always right. uh, they're always arguing about stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. And also, yeah, out of bounds, just just go with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to say that. I like I'm impatient for two two more minutes when these kids have worked uh well, I was I was thinking of that too. The parallel between like NCAA investigations and the end of a basketball game. Everybody's like, "Would you please just hurry up?" Except yeah. unless you're the team involved, <laughs> then no, we want as much time in court as we can get to prove our innocence, or we want the replay monitor to be used as much as possible to show that the ball is our ball and not their ball off this out of bounds. Yeah, so. no question. <clears throat> Uh, real quickly on Duke, I don't know how much you've watched them. We're getting down the end of the regular season. This is obviously Coach K's last season. Uh, we're going to talk more Coach K in the future. Yeah. I watched the, the the Virginia game. I watched a few games of theirs lately. And it's worth taking the time to just, I don't know. It's just, it's my whole life Coach K's been the coach there. <laughs> yeah. Since I've started paying attention to basketball. He's just, he's been the Duke. I don't remember pre-Coach K. Um, so, you know, it's it's he's a unique character, a unique figure. Um, he's got a really good team. Uh, I don't know that it's as good as Auburn and Arizona and Gonzaga and maybe Kentucky. I don't know. Yeah, but it's right there. Purdue, Duke. I mean, I think those guys got a, a shot. But I think you need a little more about out of Paulo uh, Banchero. He did not play that that great against Virginia, but he's got a nice six man rotation. Um, you can see how much he's appreciating this. He took him about an hour to get through the post. He was the anti Wisconsin, Michigan <laughs> handshake line. He like stopped every player. He's yeah. like telling them something nice about them. You can just see it. And the guys are all feeling really good about them. The Virginia kids. And like, he's just, he's loving it. Right. Yeah. He's loving it. And he should, he should, he seems like he's soaking it up. I don't know your thoughts on as this kind of winds down for for Coach K. These are his last. He'll he'll coach obviously in an NCAA basketball tournament, but it's almost like his. It's these nights on the road and these nights in Cameron that that are are really what he's all about. 
Yeah, absolutely. And on, yes, I mean, he's had more tournament success than anybody since John Wooden. And really, frankly, I think he's probably won more NCAA tournament games than Wooden by now because the tournament's expanded. But yeah, the night in, night out ACC battles, I think, are what he really cherishes. And obviously, the having the, the home court in Cameron. And I'm going to be there for his, their last game uh, against North Carolina. His last game at uh, Cameron a week from Saturday. Uh, it's going to be pretty epic scene. Tickets are astronomical for that thing. But, um, you know, I, it, 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 there are two ways to go out. And you could go out like Roy and just say, hey, I'm done and not have the fanfare. Or you can do it like Kay and and give yourself the victory lap. And then it's at, at one time try kind of try to deflect the victory lap. Like, no, you know, I'm I'm. I'm 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 about this team, and I don't care about that what? stuff. But you can clearly <laughs> see, yes, as you said, he's enjoying the victory lap. Classic you know? K, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love these kids. I, I mean, please I'm applaud my humility. These. Yeah, right. Yes, right. Yeah. Please applaud my humility while giving me gifts in every arena that I go into. So you know, and he does have a team that's good enough to get to the Final Four, maybe win it all. Uh, they're not a perfect team by any stretch. Uh, you know, they they, they don't. They're not great defensively. They're not bad, but they're not great defensively. They have NBA-level talent. They've got firepower. It's it's young. Uh, I looked at it at one point. Actually, the oldest guy in their seven-man rotation is younger than the youngest guy at UABs, where they've got all these six-year guys and fifth-year guys and stuff like that. So they are young. Uh, but that's I think people would still rather be talented and young than untalented and old. And he will leave a he will leave a, a hole in the game when he's gone. Like him, hate him, and a lot of people hate him. Boy, uh, almost to an illogical to degree for some people. But he has made Duke the program of the last thirty five years, and has made himself the lightning rod figure really in the game uh, since then. And is everyone still hating him as much this year? Is there a not, little no, softening? not as much this year because it's I mean, his last year. You know, I mean, you got to be like you were fun <clears> to hate, right? Yeah, and that's you know that's where it was. It, to a, to a large degree, for a lot of people, it was just kind of sport. You know, it's like, yeah, well, let's hate Coach K because we can hate Coach K because we're right. tired of Duke being good. And I think now you get to it and it's like, ah, I think everybody's going to miss Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, like I said, I, probably pretty much everyone, don't, no one remembers. What was it? Who was the coach before? Yeah, uh, boy. Uh, um, he's kind of famous. Like, he took them to a Final Four. Yeah, they went to the Final Four in 78. They went to the championship game. Daggone. Uh, Gene Banks and Mike uh, Jaminski uh, and Jim Spinarkle, but I can't remember the name of the coach. Bill E. Foster. Bill, Bill Foster. E. Foster. That's right. There were two Bill Fosters. There we go, right. Brett Raider. Because one was at Virginia Tech, too? Yeah. Yeah. So that's we uh, we should say that Sully is out today, so Brett uh, Raider is, is our yeah, we have, you haven't heard from Sully's Sully. on a much needed vacation, and I'm just Wikipediaing lists of uh, Duke head coaches. <laughs> there you go. Sully is drunk. But, but <laughs> Sully is Sully's drunk and eating chicken sandwiches. Yes. As is his right. Yeah, as is his right. There'll be no shade on that. We're no, no. Freaking I hope to be doing that both later today. So. Yes. All right. I, I got this little item for us. Uh, I think I have a solution. I think we can go people's court on it. Okay, Brett. That means you play the little dun dun thing. You gotta find that. The, I gotta find yeah. Sully's drop. For yeah, that yeah. Now. Who knows yeah. where it's gonna be? Apologies, audience, if it's not if it's not here. Yeah, let's get it. Let's. I mean, it's we're falling apart with us. So where Sully is the glue. He's the glue guy. <laughs> this is in Massachusetts. A Worcester man was arrested Monday for trying to enter a tiger enclosure at the <laughs> at Boston's Franklin Park Zoo. 
Matthew Abraham, 24, climbed allegedly climbed over a gate into the zoo around 9 a.m., scaled several fences, ignored warning signs, but was unable to gain access to the tiger enclosure. He still couldn't get over the last one, whatever that is. Uh, Thank goodness for the last one. Police said one question. Abraham said he was, quote, very interested in tigers. Um, he was arrested for trespassing and disorderly conduct. I think I know, Pat, a proper punishment for him. What do you got? Open the gate and let him go in. <laughs> you want in that bad? All right, you become tiger food. I, I get we should be protecting people from themselves, I guess, <clears> but like, it was seriously, like, whoa, go ahead. <laughs> Save the Franklin Park Zoo on one bit of dinner. Well, I, I my my immediate microwave theory on this is that he's from Worcester, which is among the most dreary places I've ever been. <laughs> and he, if you're that bored in Worcester, you might you decide, okay, I might as well just go sacrifice myself to a tiger. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but <clears throat> if it's nine a.m., I'm theorizing. Hopefully, he was not drunk already at 9 a.m. <clears throat> Maybe Most an guys go all night. Yeah, all around. Yeah. I mean, it's the driven to the, the Franklin Park Zoo is in Boston, so he would have had to get on the pike and get in there. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like he, he he didn't just wake up on a whim and go down the street. He, he went through some effort to get there and then to climb over multiple things. I mean, if you're that interested in tigers, one of the first things you would have learned in your research <laughs> would be the tiger will eat you. You will, you will stand no chance in a, in a, against the tiger. The tiger will not look at you as an impossible friend. <laughs> no. Unarmed I mean, man it, versus tiger. It is tiger. possible to do that, but you almost have to raise them, and even then, dangerous. Unarmed I, man I, versus tiger is the same as Presbyterian versus Clemson in football. We uh, I did a story. as We did this thing at Yahoo during the World Cup at uh, 20, whenever it was in Africa, 2010, whatever. South African World Cup. We were completely out of ideas on what to um, <laughs> what to do at the end of this. The World Cup is very long. Yeah. And it's a lot of soccer, a lot of soccer. And uh, none of the athletes will speak English because, of course, the Americans get bounced early. So it's not really a good event to cover. It's not. It's just like, yeah, the Germans, they're going to talk German. It's, it's funny how that works. So you're pretty limited on what you can get done. So. Uh, the great Victor Velazquez and I, who was a, a great producer and a camera, just did all this yeah. stuff. For, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how to work any of the stuff. So uh, for Yahoo, um, we went to a lion park and we got two hunks of meat and we wrapped <laughs> them in. <laughs> you can you can buy hunks of meat and what? what? Well, like we bought a steak or something. I don't know what we bought. It wasn't we bought cheap cheap steak, right? Did the, did they spread. sell them at the Lion Park? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, no. so you. Oh, go well, to the... I don't know. Maybe the Lion. We worked it out with the Lion Park. They may have had the meat. I would think that they would have to sign off on this unless you just show up with. Oh no, this is this is a, a very official, very official. We are promoting <laughs> okay. the Lion Park. Okay. So yeah, so. uh <laughs> Yeah, they probably provide the meat. We had a scarf. One scarf was, I can't remember who the hell was in this thing. Netherlands was in it. And then maybe it was Germany. I can't yeah. even freaking remember. It was so long ago. It was, I was so bored by the end of the, that World Cup. <laughs> we wrapped the, the two pieces of meat, and we had this guy. We had a caged uh, truck. We rode out into, I forgot about the story. We rode out into the, the lion park. It was a big, you know, park is big. This yeah, isn't yeah. like. Uh, sure. 
This is like the Franklin Park Zoo, which is quite <laughs> small. And this guy got out, and he was going to throw each one, and then whoever the Lions went after, that was our prediction. That was going to be the prediction. <laughs> okay. Would win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so, so you wrap the meat in a scarf and throw it out. Throw it out of the truck okay. uh, and get it. But the guy was crazy, and he claimed that the Lions would not harm him. Oh, God. Because he had been around all these lions since they were babies. And so Victor and I are in the back of this truck with this huge cage, and the, he's driving the truck. And we're going to shoot through the like the cage because I'm like, don't go out there. And he's like, do not leave the thing. I can do it, but no one else. He goes out there and puts it down and waits for the lions to come up. And we're sitting there going, A, we're going to have video of this guy getting mauled by lions. <laughs> and then B, what the hell do we do then? Yeah. Right. Someone's gonna have to you get, get out, out and try to get save the, the guy really quick and drive back. Like, what the world? This crazy South African guy. What the hell are we gonna do? And we're like, don't get out of the truck. He's like, I can't. Hey, he had this accent and all this thing. He was bananas. He literally grabbed the tail of one of them and no. held it up, held it up like a microphone. Um, and was like <laughs> reporting for Yahoo Sports. He was making this joke. I I wonder if that video that video has got to be online somewhere. I have no idea. Oh. We made it many years ago. Funniest thing ever. Anyway, he did not get mauled. Thank God. He's, but eventually someone's going to maul you. That's the yeah. thing. Do not. Well, <laughs> if you make your living hanging out with killer animals, you might eventually get killed. And I think they got it wrong. I think he got it wrong. Oh, really? The lion? The 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 guess of the lion? The... Yeah, I don't think it actually it actually worked. Let me see who was so, in the. <laughs> so the big takeaway from this is that lions are bad soccer prognosticators. I think so. I think that's okay. really it. I don't even know what the story, why I'm even, I had forgotten <laughs> about that story. Spain, Spain won. Spain, all right. Germany was not in it. It was Spain won, Netherlands zero. Okay. That's right. It was extra time. The goal was in the 116th minute. It's actually quite dramatic. <laughs> I just wanted it to end. I, I had been there for like five weeks. <laughs> five weeks? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. The World Cup never ends. <laughs> And like they're not talking to you. <laughs> Try covering that's, a sporting event where no one will we, speak to you. That's a problem. It's a tough. It's a tough one. That's why I never complain. Like you know, even a no comment for even Greg Popovich being a wise ass during the third <laughs> quarter inter interview. Better than that. Better than nothing. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, like English now. It's like uh, yeah, terrible. Anyway, we made it. I, I was not expecting to tell that story. I kind of forgotten about it. Um, all right, one more. And I, I, I'm wondering whether you ever thought of, of doing this. We obviously both travel a great deal. A lot of people travel. Uh, this occurred down in Orlando. I know we've both been to the Orlando International Airport many times. Many people have going down to Disney World. An intoxicated passenger uh, who was barred from boarding an airplane at the Orlando International Airport. And I would just like to say, you got to be really trashed to not be allowed on the plane. Because <laughs> yeah, right. I have pushed that envelope, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> you really, I mean, I've had some layover. You're sitting around that bar. I mean, you got to be, I don't even know how that happens. But uh, clearly possible. Uh, intoxicated passengers barred from boarding an airplane at the Orlando International Airport rode away from the gate on a motorized suitcase. <laughs> Wait a minute. As a police officer on a bicycle followed her. There was a hot pursuit <laughs> in the Orlando airport. We had the version of an L we had that version of an LA car chase. That's that's Orlando for you. It's, it's yes. a drunk person on a on a suitcase <laughs> being followed by a cop on a bike in an airport. 
it's like all the people that are riding those scooters at Disney World <laughs> who can walk. <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, like the scooter abuse at Disney World is just terrible. You're like, you can, like, we should have the scooters and the motorized uh, chairs and everything for the people that need those. Yeah, people that around. can't move. Yeah. Yes. But you are abusing this. And, and yeah, and they, they got a big cup. Who knows what they're drinking? Look, this is the same society that allows emotional support horses, you know, and pigs and things like that. So you get what you get. Uh, there is a video uh, that came out in the court proceeding. In, in, <laughs> there's a quote here from the uh, Orlando police officer. We're going to have a bike pursuing a suitcase in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea Alston, 32, was later accused of battering the police officer and causing more than $1,000 in damage to his patrol car. Wow. She could face five years. Wow, that got serious. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a runaway person on a suitcase. They, they were violent once they were apprehended, huh? Yeah, I don't want no beef. I'm just trying to go home and enjoy myself, said Alston. She's trying to get to New York. Yeah. Claims she just had two drinks before her flight. Oh, yeah. Sure. Alston had glassy eyes, inability to stand straight, and the odor of alcohol. It's okay. You just need to go over the terminal and sober up a little bit, get another flight. Seemed reasonable, was what she was told. But uh, then she took off on her motorized suitcase. <laughs> the police officer on the video says, oh, man, that thing kind of goes fast. You see, I don't What is this motorized? I, I've never heard of a motorized suitcase. This is new to me. The question is, does uh, she get a DUI as well? <laughs> does not right. appear was, she does. Was she endangering other people? She spit at the officer. That's why she got the battery, oh. and she, oh, okay. she deserves that if she did do that. And she ripped across the police vehicle's fabric headliner when she was in the car. Okay. Uh, so she de she deserves anything she gets if all that is true. But I don't know. I think the scooter, the motorized <laughs> I'm just, I, I need to, That's an know. expensive thing, you know. I know Away does a lot of uh, advertisement on podcasts. We should get the oh. uh, motorized suitcase people to advertise throughout Yahoo. Exactly. Motorized suitcase right here scooter. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Oh, my God, they're expensive. How lazy are you to not <laughs> drag your suitcase? It's not like Extremely. the old days where you had to carry right. it. They, no, they come it's, with it's wheels. very easy to get suitcases around now. I've taken huge suitcases. Like you go to Africa for five weeks, you need a big suitcase. You can't yeah. just have the little like right. Come yeah. on. I mean, th these things can cost up to twenty nine hundred dollars. It looks like here, and then they're just going to run over you while you're trying to get through the airport. It's already chaotic <laughs> enough. That Orlando airport's like the oh, it's oh yeah, my a disaster. The one problem, th yeah, you go to a place like Orlando, and if you're like us and you travel a lot, you get irritable towards people who are inexperienced travelers. Because, you know, they don't they can't get through security and then they can't get on the plane and do something their overhead and this and that. Well, that's all the Orlando is. It's people taking their kids down there, you know, who haven't been on planes before and they got too many of them. And, and oh, it's those those flights are a bloodbath if you're in, into uh, a f airplane efficiency. I needed to dust off my old blog post about the five most annoying people at the airport. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe that's for next time. My personal view is that I'm a proud TSA pre-check holder. If you don't know what to do in pre TSA pre-check, if you're confused about your shoes and your laptop and your phone, they got to strip you a TSA pre-check. You got to go back. I, I, I agree. agree. 100%. 100%. It's, yep. This belt, belt buckle is metal? Yeah, it's metal, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but it ain't like it's a gun. Don't say gun. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the air against these people. Like, yeah, you got to take off your shoes sometimes. Like, this is not new stuff, people. Like, come on. No. Yeah, I got a whole, I got a whole, I got a whole bit on this. Bring that to the regular line. We're not having it in pre-check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. It's tough. It's tough out there. All right, that'll uh, that'll do it for us. We'll be back on Monday. More college football, college basketball talk. Appreciate everyone listening and uh, sending us stupid story ideas to spice this up because uh, yeah. we're talking about the Elam ending, so we need stuff. Um, <laughs> Don't drive drunk on your suitcase over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 a good one. Or. I mean, it's like the old people in their golf carts at their little communities. <laughs> right. Maybe that's better. It's true. Take, I mean, the car, take the suitcase down the corner bar. <laughs> yeah. Not, if you are going to be out and about drunk, don't get in your car. Get on your suitcase. I changed get on my your mind. Suitcase. Yeah. And stay out of the tiger den <laughs> and all of that. All right. We'll talk to you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.